Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 1st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll hear the remaining two conversations with Republican candidates running for Mississippi's 3rd Congressional District House seat. Then, find out how law enforcement agencies are targeting illegal drugs, and health officials are working to curb the opioid epidemic in Mississippi. And hurricane season has officially begun. Will this be an active year for storms? My medicine, my food, water, what do I like to eat? Keep at least a week's supply in your pantry of everything you could possibly need and imagine you have no electricity. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Who will replace Congressman Greg Harper in the U.S. House of Representatives? The Republican legislator is not seeking re-election. As the June 5th primary elections near, the race for the Republican nomination in Mississippi's 3rd Congressional District looks to be the most competitive. Given the high stakes of that single primary, we invited all six candidates to talk with us. We've heard from four candidates so far. Today, Mississippians and residents of the 24-county Congressional District will hear the unique perspective of the last two people vying for the seat. Candidate Catherine Tate is a former educator. She says her experience will shape her focus in Washington. I worked here with ETV, uh, PRM it used to be called, as a staff artist. And after that, I taught art. And the many years that I taught, I saw a gradual intrusion of federal government policies into education that I thought were incongruent with our original founding father's ideal for education. I know that goes way back, but that original idea of the American liberty that requires godliness and virtue and biblical training in the word to know truth so that people can be self-governing, responsible, accountable adults in a charitable society, a free society, seems to have been eroding. So I have worked 40 years professionally, 26 in education, and I thought I was going to take a break to finish a Ph.D. studying this very uh, history that I just mentioned, but I just want to get I want to get this message out. And this race became open, and I thought, why not? I'm going to try it. I'm just going to speak to the people and see how they feel about the direction public education has gone. And there are some wonderful, good public schools, but I do feel the oppression of federal bureaucracy. And I just thought, let me just get this message out and see where it goes. What would you like to see specifically happen in the school systems? Okay, specifically, and this is... This seems impossible. I would like to see the Federal Bureau completely remove itself as far as controls and regulation from our schools. And I would like to see educational savings accounts and local control. And now with technology and Internet, all the things we have, even the rural areas, could have an excellent education without federal control. I'm not saying no federal dollars. I'm saying no federal bureaucratic regulations and control and curriculum control. Go back to local, whatever the local communities would like to for their curricula to be. Base that on an end goal of vocation, vocational training, or 
academia for the ACT, SAT, those types of tests. Gear at how the locals, uh, local communities think, but I just don't think the federal federal bureaucracy control and regulation is doing good. You don't have a political background. Did you consider running at a local level, state level first? Yes. Uh, no, I didn't first because this this came up, but I'm enjoying it so much. I'm absolutely enjoying going around and talking to people and um, getting their views. I think I'm kind of hooked now. I'd love to run locally or a regional, another regional state level office. I, I'm, I just absolutely love it. And I think I'm would be a good representative at any level. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds more like you want to talk to people, get the message out, see what the response is, than you want to be a congresswoman. Yes, that's sort of like an assessment, but that sounds like an assessment. I, w- I want to be a congressperson if the response is, yes, we agree with this. Yes, we want you to represent us. Yes, we want you to fight for us. But I had to see first. I had to see what the uh, people think first. What other priorities would you want to address? Well, I have been a very strong supporter of the nationalist agenda, as President Trump has. And let me clarify that. It seems to me, and there is popular support for this idea, it's not just me, um, the government has presumed the role that the church normally has had in globalism and opening our arms to the poor and the needy and, and the foreigner. Yes, that is our role as an individual in the body of Christ. Our nation, however, our government has to protect our borders has to control who comes in and out of this country. So immigration is very important. Deregulation on all fronts, not just education. Deregulation is very important to me. And seeing that Mississippi, as I would be a representative of Mississippi, is predominantly agriculture, I have really enjoyed talking to the uh, farmers and uh, beef growers and poultry producers in the state. And I would represent their interest, not to favor that interest, uh, that industry, but to be fairly represented it. And let's get some sanity back into those regulations as well. So just be a uh, representative for the people on multiple fronts. You're not well known because you haven't served in office. How are you going to get your face and your name and your message out to the people of Mississippi or at least District 3? Yes, that's a great question. And um, sort of an old-fashioned door-to-door, and by door-to-door, I mean in my old 15-year-old car and just driving around to communities and uh, newspaper uh, establishments and, uh, of course, the Republican Party. I am running on the Republican Party. I'm speaking with other parties as well. And our wonderful media is, is giving us an opportunity to get our message out. Other than that, we'll see. Um, Uh, how the fundraising continues and how I can do some media advertising this next month. Catherine Tate is a Republican from Jackson running for the District 3 congressional seat. Ms. Tate, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Karen. God bless. Candidate Perry Parker has experience in agriculture and financial services. He says his business experiences will lead him to make good decisions for the state. I live in Covington County, a little south of Jackson. I grew up in Sumrall. 
Ida, my wife of 29 years, and I live in Covington County on a farm down there. We have two sons. You are a cattle rancher? Yes. Or do you say cattle farmer? Cattle farmer. Here in Mississippi, we cattle farmer. What is your political background? My father was a state legislator. He was also the mayor of Sumrall. And I distinctly remember saying to my father, why do you do this? People call here at our home late at night and yell at you, and I'm pretty sure you don't get paid. I didn't understand it. I was all about numbers and making money from a very young age. But as you get older, you start to understand a little more the ways of your father and what, how much my father cared about the community. And I find that I feel the same way about the state of Mississippi. So as far as politically conservative Republican, defender of the Second Amendment rights, of our Second Amendment rights, and uh, believe in a strong military protecting the promises made to our veterans. But, you know, Karen, I believe that those are requirements. They should be to be in the Republican primary for third district of the state of Mississippi. Why skip the legislature or a local office and go straight to the U.S. Congress? Good question. So, Karen, my background is working all over the world. I left seminary, Sumrall, Mississippi, and moved to Chicago, trading cattle futures. From there, I went, I uh, got an MBA at University of Chicago, moved from Chicago to New York to London, working for Goldman Sachs, then moved on, ran a couple of hedge fund businesses, and that also includes being part of a founding group of the bank, The First, which is headquartered in Hattiesburg, which has been quite successful, employs over 500 people. I believe my business experience has uniquely prepared me. My experience in agriculture, as well as financial services, make me prepared to go to Washington, serve Mississippi, and serve the country. What tops your list? What's most important? Well, the most important thing for me is growing income in the third district in the state of Mississippi. You can see different numbers, but I believe a family of four in the, in the third district averages about 41000 somewhere between forty-one dollars and $42,000 a year. That has grown, but very slowly. The rest of the country's income has grown faster. I believe we can grow faster here, Karen. I believe that this is a powerful office. We can use this office to promote investment. And with my business experience and the combination of the power of this congressional seat, we can grow investment faster here, which will grow incomes for Mississippi families. How will you work with President Trump's agenda? I'll absolutely support President Trump's agenda on reducing taxes and maybe most importantly, I think most importantly, reducing regulations. Karen, I could go into regulation on our trucking industry and the trucking industry across the country. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make common sense. I'll bring common sense to the U.S. Congress. And that starts with reducing regulations on the trucking industry, reducing regulations. Uh, Our chicken processors here in the 3rd District face a heavy regulatory burden that puts unnecessary cost on them. And these are just, they don't make sense. I will, on day one, I'll work to reduce those regulations. Certainly banking regulations that we hear a lot about, I'm familiar with that some of the compliance regulations on our community banks are hamstringing the flow of credit to our small towns in east and southwest Mississippi, and they need help, they need credit, and I can work on that. Many say the new tax laws are more beneficial to the wealthiest in the country. Mississippi, as you well know, has the lowest per capita income in the country. Are Mississippians at a disadvantage? Are Mississippians at a disadvantage? Well, here's how I think about that. Uh, Mississippians are helped by lower taxes, 
period. I also think that the provisions to, to lower the deductions on state and local taxes benefits Mississippi. And so I'm in complete support of the recent tax laws passed because if California and New York have their state tax uh, deduction limited, that increases the amount of federal taxes they pay, and, and that makes it more fair compared to what Mississippians pay. A Mississippian who is very fortunate and uh, works hard and makes, say, for argument's sake, $100,000 a year, pays more federal taxes than a New Yorker or a Californian. So is that fair? I don't think so. This recent tax law made that more equal. And so I'm in complete support of that. In fact, I don't think it went far enough. We need to make it permanent and we need to reduce personal taxes even more. Finally, how are you going to reach District 3 Mississippians to let them know who you are and what you stand for? And are you out there shaking hands? I've uh, shaken a lot of hands. We're also on TV. We're on the radio. We're in newspaper. We're letting people know about growing investment is going to grow incomes, about my business background, not a politician. And hey, one other thing, we believe in term limits, the citizen legislator model. I don't know if you've seen, but President Trump has recently endorsed term limits for our federal legislators. I'm in complete agreement. You know, my uh, contention is that the citizen legislator model is the one this country was founded on. You gain experience. You go to Washington to represent the people, use that experience to apply to the nation's problems, and then you come home. I think that's the correct model for America. Perry Parker is running for the U.S. District 3 seat, and I thank you so much for coming in, Perry. Thank you very much. Find full conversations with all the candidates online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. Coming up, find out how law enforcement agencies are targeting illegal drugs and health officials are working to curb the opioid epidemic in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Law enforcement agencies are cracking down on a multi-state illegal drug network operating in East Central Mississippi. At a press conference in Jackson this week, Mississippi U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst says an extensive investigation dubbed Operation High Life has led to 11 individual arrests in multiple states. This illegal drug network involved the distribution of over 40 kilograms of methamphetamine, over 3 kilograms of cocaine, and over 100 pounds of marijuana, and encompassed multiple states, including Texas, California, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi. Hearst says he believes going after the entire network could stop the trafficking of illegal drugs into the state. He says the investigation is ongoing and he expects more arrests. In other news, a drug that reverses the effects of opioid overdose will now be available from a pharmacist without a prescription. Mississippi State Health Officer Dr. Mary Courier has issued a standing order to dispense the narcotic blocker naloxone by request. Some insurances will pay for it, some won't. And there's a variety, there's a a range of prices for the product that you get. The least expensive one is around $37 or $38. And the most expensive one is over $1,000. 
but there are also some programs where you can get that at a reduced cost. The drug restores normal breathing in people who have overdosed on fentanyl, heroin, or prescription opioid painkillers. Dr. Courier says making naloxone more available will save lives. Steve Parker is deputy director of the Mississippi State Board of Pharmacy. He tells us their role going forward. We're taking the role of notifying and uh, educating pharmacists in Mississippi about the standing order and how they would do that. And we're taking care of the technical issues that pharmacists have to do within their operations as far as that, which are not real complex. But uh, we're, we're kind of the source point for that. And we have the availability of outreach through our website and social media and email addresses, email blasts to pharmacists to get this message out. And we're beginning that today. Do all pharmacists or all pharmacies already have naloxone on their shelves for prescription use? I would venture to say that many do, and there are a number of pharmacies that are already doing, uh, have a standing order with their local position that might be in their local community. But what this does is open the door for all pharmacies under this uh, statewide standing order to uh, be able to dispense under these rules, and uh, it just it puts it in the hands of the public uh, in a faster way. Mississippi has seen opioid overdose deaths rise by more than 125 percent between 2011 and 2016. Coming up, hurricane season has officially begun. Find out if an active year for storms is in the forecast. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today is the official start of the 2018 hurricane season. The National Hurricane Center is predicting 10 to 16 named storms. Five to nine could become hurricanes. The season extends from now through November 30th. But Mississippi emergency management officials say it's already begun. Last week, subtropical storm Alberto was on course to bring severe thunderstorms to Mississippi, but veered towards Florida. Greg Flynn with Mississippi Emergency Management Agency tells MP Desiree Frazier, Alberto helped them coordinate plans. It was a great live fire exercise where all the state agencies were able to come together, kind of dust off the plans uh, from actually last October when we were hit late in the season by Hurricane Nate. Uh, so it was a great opportunity for the counties to interact with the state agencies just to have our plans ready to go. You know, tropical systems bring a little different play to the mix when it comes to disasters, because you not only have to worry about, you know, storm surge uh, along the coast, plus wind damage, plus heavy rain, but then as the systems move further into the state, you know, then you have the threat of tornadoes, even heavier rainfall in areas that are far from the coast. So it kind of brings all of our hazards together uh, in one that all of our counties have to prepare for, because it's not just a coastal event. You know, as, as a lot of folks here will remember, uh, during, you know, even Hurricane Isaac, Hurricane Katrina, certainly, which was a statewide event, that you can feel those effects very far inland. Can you give us some primary reminders of what we need to be thinking about and what we need to be doing? Well, there's two main things that we want people to know. Number one is that as a government, we are prepared to respond as best we can. But everything starts with individuals and families being ready. 
That starts with knowing where you will go and what supplies you'll need if you'll have to leave your house. The other thing we want people to be uh, manage their expectations are prepare for days, perhaps even weeks, without electricity after the storm passes. Uh, because if it is a big storm, you know, there is a good chance that you could go two, maybe even three weeks without electricity. Your house may be fine, but you may not have power. So are you prepared to ride that out, either in your house or do you have a plan that you can go somewhere uh, while until infrastructure can be restored? The other thing is financial planning. And there's a, a couple of things that we want people to really understand. Insurance is key, both for homeowners and renters. Uh, homeowner's policies, your regular homeowner's policy does not cover flooding. And if any water comes in, any rising water comes into your house, uh, there's a good chance uh, that if you do not have flood insurance, it will not be covered. So having flood insurance, if you're in a low-risk zone and you're one of those people that says, ah, I'm never going to flood, well, then that means your insurance is going to be extremely affordable. So you should look into having a flood insurance policy. Because one thing I want to point out is, you know, after a big hurricane or a big tornado, everybody says, well, FEMA is going to come in and they're going to help us out. The maximum amount of money you can get from FEMA is $34,000. That's if you qualify for everything for the maximum amount. The average grant from FEMA is about $7,000. So if you did not have insurance, you have to be able to ask yourself, can I rebuild my entire home and get my all my contents back with $7,000? So having insurance will absolutely put your road to recovery back a lot faster. So are you saying to have insurance, flood insurance, regardless of where your home is? Oh, I think that's absolutely a, a, a great idea because, you know, again, people will say, I can't flood. Well, let's take what happened in Hurricane Harvey, for example, and even what happened in Baton Rouge uh, two years ago in August for what was an unnamed storm. Same type system. Uh, just didn't have a name to it. Anywhere that can your neighborhood withstand 50 inches of rain in three days? At some point, if you get five feet of rain in a neighborhood, I don't care where you live, there's a great chance that water's going to get into your house. So in not having flood insurance, you will not be covered. And so you have to think of it that way. It, it's a risk reward, you know, uh, and it just brings peace of mind because you can sit back and say, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay no matter what storm comes through. I know having a flashlight, water, uh Food that you can eat, what, out of the can or, or nuts and all those kinds of things are good to keep on hand. If you take a, just take a step back and you say, okay, I can't go to the store for a week. I can't get out of my house. I can't get anywhere for a week. What do I need in my house to survive for a week? So if you sit back and you say, this is my medicine, my food, water, what do I like to eat? Keep at least a week's supply in your pantry of everything you could possibly need, and imagine you have no electricity. The more you prepare on the front end, the less stress you will have during and after the event. Mississippians can download the MEMA mobile app by searching M-S-E-M-A or connect on all of your social media channels. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. At 10, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11, Southern Remedy for Women. 
If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. 